Hello, and welcome to the Treasures of Truth podcast with Dr. Jeremy Simpson of the Thanks to Calvary Baptist Church in Elkin, North Carolina. We hope that you enjoy the podcast today as we search together in the precious Word of God. Welcome to Treasures of Truth podcast. Brother Jeremy here. I want to go back to the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter number one. We've been here the last uh, couple podcasts uh, talking about ordinary people, ordinary people that do extraordinary works for God. And the Bible talks about one of those. If you ever had an ordinary person, it was Nehemiah, but he did an unbelievable work for God. The Bible said the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hekeliah, and it came to pass in the month Chislu, in the 20th years, I was in Shushan, the palace, that Han and I, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them, there's the asking, concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. Then you get the answer. And they said unto me, the remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And then you have the agony. And it came to pass, when I heard these words, that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And so Nehemiah was just an ordinary man. Now, I talked on the last podcast about the testimony that Nehemiah had. These are the words of Nehemiah. These are his memoirs, his autobiography. And uh, we talked about the time of Nehemiah. It was in the month Chislu, and, and it was a time of persecution, a time of affliction and struggle. But I want to look today, first of all, at the territory of Nehemiah. Where did Nehemiah, this story of Nehemiah, take place? The Bible said it was in Shushan, verse number one, in Shushan the palace. Now, you've got to think about why is Nehemiah a Jew in a Babylonian king's palace? Now, 150 years before, we know the Babylonians had conquered Israel. They had destroyed Jerusalem. They had led many of the Jews away into captivity into Babylon. God allowed this. And the reason God allowed this is because Israel had repeatedly ignored the Lord pleading with them to abstain from idolatry. And they returned to idols again and again and again. And God said, you want your idolatry? I will put you at the fountainhead of idolatry. Be careful about what you want so badly. God may give you what you're insisting upon and give you a shove in the direction so you can see His way is really the best way because Israel had had had, had these idols and had these idols and they kept returning to these false gods. And so God said, you know what, I'm going to take you right to the fountainhead of it. I'm going to take you to the place of where idolatry uh, flows from. And I'm going to take you to Babylon. You know what? God has a way of teaching us, doesn't he? And a hundred years later, uh, right, uh, let's say 50 years previous to Nehemiah, uh, a group of Jews were permitted to return from Babylon to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. But the walls were never repaired. And I mean, you say, well, what's the big deal about the walls? Well, in those days, walls were everything. Now, you got to think about this territory. They stood for protection. Walls stood for protection. Without the wall, they were sitting ducks. They stood for permanence. 
They showed strength. They showed stability. They stood for praise. The walls were beautiful. They gave glory to God. But also, they stood for prophecy because those walls and those gates foretold the coming of the Messiah. And we need those walls built back at, in the church today, walls of protection that will keep a hedge about our families, walls of permanence that will keep us steadfast, unmoving, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, walls of praise. Most churches have lost their praise and their worship. And walls of prophecy, most churches have lost their hope of the Lord coming. And when Nehemiah heard about those broken down walls, it broke his heart. It became his burden and his responsibility to fix it. So that's the territory, the time, and the testimony of Nehemiah. But let me give you this. Notice the title of Nehemiah. The Bible said he was in Shushan the palace. And the Bible also tells us that he was the king's cupbearer. He was the king's cupbearer in verse number 11. And so this is the title. He's working. Now, you got to understand, this, this was a great position to have. Uh, it was a lucrative government position, almost like being a secret service or a bodyguard to the president, because he would have to taste the food first or drink the drink first uh, of, the, of the king, and almost like a personal assistant. And, uh, assistant. and history tells us that to have that position— Nehemiah had to be handsome, he had to be cultured, he had to be knowledgeable because he had daily access to the king. And because of that, he had influence. Now, here was a man who had it made as far as the world is concerned. Here, he lived the way the king lived. He ate the way the king ate. He dressed the way the king dressed. He was secure in his position. He was secure in his possessions. Why should he care? about the sins of his ancestors? Why should he care about something that was a thousand miles away, walls that were a thousand miles away? It wasn't his fault. It took place a hundred years. A hundred years prior. His life was all right. He had achieved some success, but a lot of people don't want to know what's going on. They don't do the asking because they'll get an answer, and that they know that'll cause them to agonize. His knowledge brought responsibility. When you know something, you are responsible. When you know something, you're responsible. And so Nehemiah's heart was broken by the news, and he volunteered to do something about it. He left the comfort and security of the palace and traded it all for the rigors of a ruined city. He exchanged prestige for poverty, comfort for criticism, royalty for ridicule. He left an easy job to do an impossible task. And the lesson of Nehemiah is this, the kingdom of God and the church are built by those who are willing to sacrifice and leave their comfort zone. That's how God takes ordinary people and does extraordinary things. Now here it is, the testimony, the time, the territory, the title. Let me give you number five, and I'm going to be finished, the truth of Nehemiah. There's an important truth in this story, how God uses ordinary people to build the work of God. The words of Nehemiah were worth were something worth writing because God was working in his life. Who is Nehemiah? He's the son of Hakaliah. And there's three men 
that played important roles in the rebuilding of Jerusalem after it was destroyed. Zerubbabel the prince, Ezra the priest, and Nehemiah. Zerubbabel, Ezra, and Nehemiah. Zerubbabel was a prince. He represented the political side. Ezra was the priest. He represented the religious side. And Nehemiah, he was just a lay person. He was just an ordinary person. He was not a prophet. He was not a priest. He was not a preacher. He worked a secular job. You don't have to be a preacher to be greatly used of God. You don't have to be one of a high position to be used of God. Our God has a way of taking ordinary common people and doing extraordinary uncommon things. Did you know D.L. Moody was never ordained to preach? He was a salesman who God saved, heard a preacher state that the world is yet to see what God can do with a man completely yielded to him. And D.L. Moody said, by the grace of God, I'll be that man. He never went. He had never been to schooling. He butchered the English language. I read one time where they said D.L. Moody could pronounce Mesopotamia with one syllable. <laughs> but God transformed D.L. Moody, an ordinary fella, into one of the mightiest evangelists. And Moody got a lot of hate mail. Uh, a lot of it was anonymous, you know. Uh, people don't like to write when they, they don't like to, to, to say you know, let you know who they are when they say something ugly. One time he was in a meeting, he came to the pulpit, and he found a note folded on the pulpit. And it opened up to find only one word. It said, fool, fool, F-O-O-L. He told the crowd, he said, in all my years I've received a lot of letters with no signature, but this is the first time I ever received a signature with no letter. <laughs> I like that. You know, there's no limit that what, to what God can do through us if we would just decide to let Him do it. Nehemiah is a great example of that. D.L. Moody is a great example of that. There are so many others in the history of the church that are examples of that. God is a majority all by Himself. And Nehemiah did what he did as a minority in the face of criticism, in the face of opposition, in the face of naysayers. But one person, if he's with God, is a majority. The truth is God is a majority without us. That's the truth. He's just a layman. He's just a common man. He's just a hardworking man who got under a burden about the shape of his country. When did that happen? It happened in dark days. And it happened on just an ordinary day. If you look at verse 1 and verse 2, it's kind of nonchalant. You know, it seems very... Um, nonchalant they made small talk and the subject came up came up one thing led to another and very quickly nehemiah is thrust into the ministry leaving uh leaving the palace and leading the building crew god had a divine appointment arranged for nehemiah on that day in order to change his life and accomplish god's will i thought about the ordinary days you know a lot of times we get we get uh, kind of feel like we're in quagmire, you know, it's just an ordinary day. Well, wasn't it just an ordinary day for Moses when he was watching sheep and God spoke to him through a, fire, a, fiery, a fiery bush? Wasn't it just an ordinary day when David was called from the flocks to be anointed king? A shepherd boy became a king. It was just an ordinary day for Peter, James, and John when they were fishing and mending their nets and Jesus walked by and, and said, I want you to fish for men. It was just an ordinary day when God called Abraham out of Ur. 
just an ordinary day when Enoch was walking with God and was not, for God took him? What about that day it was just an ordinary day when Saul fell under the light of God on the road to Damascus? An ordinary day when the little boy showed up with five loaves, two fishes, and God fed 5,000 plus women and children. What I'm trying to tell you is God can take ordinary people on an ordinary day and do extraordinary things. Are you willing to let him do it? Are you willing to let him have his way? Hey, today is an ordinary day. I'm an ordinary person. But God can take me, an ordinary person, on this ordinary day, and I could be salt and light and make a difference. You're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. Why don't you go out today and say, I'm going to make a difference in this world. Why don't you get up tomorrow on an ordinary day and say, you know what? This morning I'm going to pray, read my Bible, get filled with the Holy Ghost, and I'm going to go out and make a difference in this world. God uses ordinary people. Don't let the devil lie to you. Don't let your flesh lie to you. Don't let this world lie to you. God uses the ordinary. Don't miss the next Treasures of Truth podcast. God bless you.